Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. If it's the environment that controls the fate of the cells, that's where you have an involvement because you are manifesting environments. So if you change the environment, then you change the fate of your cells. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Did you know that food sensitivities, low energy, and skin issues can all be caused by inflammation related to immune system imbalances? That means in order to heal your symptoms, you need to bring your body into balance. And in order to do that, we need to develop a resilience to stress. That's why I've created the Immune Resilience Protocol, which is a personalized framework that combines nutrition and the nervous system to help you fix your inflammatory issues by optimizing the four core organ systems, the gut, detoxification systems, thyroid, and adrenal health, we heal and nourish your body from the inside out. The results are that most of my clients reduce their symptoms by at least 50 to 75% in just the first couple of months working together. And since I teach you in smart yet simple terms, the proven frameworks I use, you'll be educated and empowered to continue healing, improving, and sustaining your health on your own so you don't have to rely on seeing me forever. If you want to learn more about food sensitivity and fatigue freedom, which is open now. My calendar is open now for the last time in 2023. I won't take clients again until early 2024. I'll have calls available just through September to assess your case one-on-one and see if it's a good match to work together. You can book a call or learn more at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. That will be in the show notes or just kristabigler.com and navigate in the navigation bar. Talk to you soon. Today on The Less Stressed Life, I have Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is a PhD and internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. He's a stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, as well as The Honeymoon Effect and Spontaneous Evolution. His research on muscular dystrophy included the study of cloned human stem cells and mechanisms controlling cell behavior. 
1982, he began examining the principles of quantum physics and how they apply to understanding the cell's information processing systems. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, essentially, right? This gave rise to his purpose, which is talking about epigenetics. Here we are. So to bring us in, first of all, welcome. Delighted to talk about this topic with you. Last week, I was interviewing someone who her pivotal, her page turning part of her story was she was in a career, lots of burnout. She ended up in the hospital from fainting, dizziness, and compounded by pneumonia. And she said, I landed in the hospital and I immediately had a sense of gratitude for being alive. And almost immediately after she had that recognition of that, her immune status started to change and she started to get better immediately. I'm very much paraphrasing, right? So this is a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, which is this environmental signaling to the cell. So I would love for you to give us the 101, the background. I remember from your book, there was also a little piece where you were feeling a little disillusioned by life and you'd, I feel like you'd gone to some medical school to teach for a while. So feel free to weave that into the story of how this all kind of happened for you. I love hearing how people turn from their original career and then create a whole new life for themselves. So let's start there. Ooh, that was a few years ago. I was a graduate student at the University of Virginia, and I had a degree in biology, which was my undergraduate. And the important part about that was in my senior year, coming up to graduation, I said, wow, I have a degree in Bachelor of Science in Biology. What kind of job is that? And then I realized, I can't, I'm not ready for the world yet. I better go back to more school. So I went to graduate school. And the beautiful part about it was I got a chance to do research. And research outside of the box, because I was given an opportunity to work on uh, stem cell cloning. Well, two things. A, what are stem cells? First of all, if you're watching this program, thank you. You have stem cells. Why? Because if you didn't have stem cells, you'd be dead by now. And I go, huh? I go, okay, here's the reason. When you look in the mirror and see yourself as a single entity, that's an illusion. You're actually a community of 50 trillion cells a number that's so big that it'd take you 100,000 years to count from one to 50 trillion. And I say, yeah, but your body is a community and cells have a lifespan and cells start to die. And matter of fact, every minute you lose millions of cells. Just while we were talking, hey, congratulations, you've just lost millions of cells because cells turn over, die, but you're still here. I say, well, how can that be? And I say, because built into your community of cells are stem cells. And let me give you the real name for them embryonic cells. And you have embryonic cells. And I say, why? Because if you keep losing cells, you have to keep replacing cells. And that's why I know you have stem cells because you're still here. You've been losing cells every day, billions of cells, and you replace them with stem cells that are in your system, which are embryonic cells that can replace anything in the body. Okay, great. Now we have stem cells. Then I say cloning. I said, what was that? Well, When you put cells in a Petri dish, they all divide and you get a whole mixed population of cells. But if you put one cell in a Petri dish and it divides, every cell in that dish came from one parent. So that means every cell that forms from that one cell is genetically identical. So I put one cell in a Petri dish. It divides every 10 hours approximately. First there's one, then there's two, and then there's four. It keeps doubling. At the end of the week, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. And I go, so what's important? Number one, they're all genetically identical. They came from the same parent. Now, here's the experiment that blew my mind. I say, why did it blow my mind? Because I was teaching conventional science at the time, conventional biology. And I was teaching what you probably are totally aware of, 
something called genetic determinism. That is a concept that says that the genes in your biology control not just your biology, but your behavior and your emotions, and that you are actually a printout of your genes. I say, what was I teaching? Think about it. It was called genetics. I go, yeah, so what does it mean? I say, well, as far as you know, you didn't pick the genes you came with, that if you don't like the genes you have, you can't change those either. And then we also add on that genes turn on and off by themselves. I say, so what does that make you? Well, if you understand that, then you recognize you're a victim of your heredity. Whatever is running in your family, you say, oh, my God, there's cancer running in my family. I can get cancer. There's heart disease, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, we feel that our lives are out of control. Well, that's a story of victim. You don't control them. You can't change them. They control you. So that's what I'm teaching. In the lab, I have this dish of stem cells that is divided, and I've got 30,000 of them. So I split them into three dishes. All dishes have 10,000 cells, but all dishes have the genetically identical cells. Now, here came the part that my whole life changed, and that was this. In the lab, we grow cells in something called culture medium. This is so profoundly important. I'm going to tell you why. Culture medium is the laboratory version of blood. So if I grow human cells, I say, what's in human blood? And then I make a mixture of all that, and it's called culture medium. But since I make it in a lab, I can change the chemistry a little bit. So I made three different versions of culture medium, slight chemical difference. So each one dish gets one version, the other gets another, and the third gets a third version. So all cells are genetically the same, but there are three different environments, the culture medium. I go, so what? I said, at the end of a week, in one cell I have muscle, in one culture dish I have muscle cells, in the other culture dish I have bone cells, and in the third culture dish I have fat cells. And now the thing was that blows my mind and did blow my mind was, wait, they're all genetically the same. Why did some become muscle, bone, fat? What controlled that? Well, if the cells were genetically the same, the only thing that was different was the environment. Mm-hmm. And I started to recognize, wait a minute. The genes are being controlled by the environment. They're not controlling. They didn't determine which is muscle, bone, and fat. It was the environment that determined that. And I go, this is a completely different biology. Why? If it's the environment that controls the fate of the cells, that's where you have an involvement because you are manifesting environments. So if you change the environment, then you change the fate of your cells. I go, yeah, but then that means I'm the one that's controlling. Ah, that's the point. It's a new science called epigenetics. And it sounds like genetics, but it's a revolution. I say, why? Epi means above. We call skin epidermis. I say, why is that important? Because just below the skin is a layer called dermis. And epidermis means epi above the dermis. Epigenetics means above the genes. The control is not in the genes. The control is above the genes. I say, so why is that important? I go, well, first of all, it's this, the whole belief that genes turn on and off and control your life. Well, first of all, recognize this, a gene is a blueprint to make the proteins, which are the building blocks of this body. I go, so why? I say, it's a blueprint. I go, so why is it? Go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint and you ask her, hey, is your blueprint on or off? She will look at what? are you crazy? It's a blueprint. There's no on and off. I go, ah, precisely. The genes are just blueprints. They can't control their fate. And I say, well, what controls their fate? Well, what we saw was the culture medium controls the fate. Now, let's take that from a laboratory experiment and turn it into your reality. And that is this. I said, you are made out of 50 trillion cells. The truth, you are a skin-covered Petri dish. Inside, under your skin, is a culture of 50 trillion cells. I go, yeah, and I got 
they have the original culture medium, which is blood. I go, wait a minute. Does it make a difference if the cell's in a plastic dish or a skin-covered dish? I say, no, it's not the cell. It's the environment. And then all of a sudden I go, so wait a minute. That means that my blood is controlling my genetics, my behavior, and my emotions. I say, yeah, how does it do that? I go, the chemistry of the blood in the experiment determined the fate of the cells. So now all of a sudden I say, wait, there's a chemist in your body that makes this blood. I go, and who or what is that chemist? And it's the answer is, the brain is the chemist that puts all the chemistry into the blood. Then the last and the biggest question that blew my mind was, so what chemistry should the brain be putting into the blood? And the answer, and this is profound, whatever picture you have in your mind, the brain translates that picture into complementary chemistry and then puts that into the blood. And that chemistry controls your fate. I go, why? So I said, well, here's the difference. For example, if you have love in your mind, then the brain releases chemistry associated with love, dopamine for pleasure, oxytocin for bonding, a growth hormone, which enhances your vitality. So I say, oh, that chemistry, when you're in love, that's the chemistry. I go, Guess what? That's healthy chemistry. That's why people, when they fall in love, are so healthy, they glow. Oh, look, you can see how healthy they are. I go, that's a, not a side effect. That's a direct effect of the chemistry of love which is translated by the brain. I go, no, wait, but what if you have fear in your head, not love? I go, oh, you don't release love chemicals. You release fear chemicals, which are what? Stress chemicals. I say, what does stress chemicals do? They get you ready for fight or flight, meaning there's a threat outside. I say, what's that threat? I say, well, it's stress. I say, yeah, but what is stress? You're right. It's simple. Whatever wishes and desires and destinations you see in your life and you want to go, if something interferes with that end point, prevents you from getting to that destination in any way, that is called stress. Okay? So I go, so why is this important? Because stress hormones do a completely different function in the body. They shut down the growth of the body and they put you into fight or flight. And I go, why would they do that? And I go, stress means there's a threat. So let's go to the proverbial original threat, saber-toothed tiger. Saber-toothed tiger's chasing me. I go, so what does that mean? I say, I got to run. I say, yeah, so where do you want the energy of your body to go? And I go, why is that important? Because blood carries the energy. So I say, well, if you're running from a saber-toothed tiger, where do you think you want the energy? I go, arms and legs so I can run. I say, well, where was the blood before you put it into the arms and legs? I say, it was in the gut, the viscera. The organs, I say, what do they do? Oh, maintenance of the body, growth, cleaning it up, fixing it, repairing it, making it healthy, filtering all the bad stuff. I go, oh, that's taking care of my biology, my viscera. Yeah, but I, when you're running from a tiger, I don't need to clean the body cells up and everything right now. I need to run. So it's going to lead to a point that Chris has been working on for years. So let me just get there. I say, so what's the point? I say, well, the blood carries the energy when you're in stress. You want to fight or flight. So the first thing that happens when your stress hormones are released, which are threats, I say, first thing is what? The blood vessels in the gut squeeze shut. I go, why? Because it pushes the blood to go to the arms and legs so you can run. I say, yeah, but if you shut off the blood vessels in the gut, then you're shutting down the growth and maintenance and stabilization of the body. I go, yeah, but you're running from a saber-toothed tiger. So if, if you can't tiger... It doesn't make a difference about your cells anymore. So I say, number one, 
you can feel it. And when the stress hormones get in your gut, you can feel it. it's called butterflies in the stomach. Mm-hmm. What you're actually feeling is queasy. And I say, where's that? Because those blood vessels are starting to shut, shut. You can feel them. They're shutting. Oh, I feel queasy. And I go, feel weaker. Yeah, you feel weaker. You're shutting down the body's growth system and you're getting ready to run. So step number one in stress, shut down the maintenance of the body and prepare for fight or flight. Stress number two, and this is the killer that Chris has been talking about for years. And I go, what is it? Well, we have two protection systems. One protects me from that saber-toothed tiger that's called fight or flight, the adrenal system. Mm-hmm. I say, and what's the other system? I say, oh, it's the immune system because that protects me from an internal threat. Fight or flight protects me from an external threat. And I go, oh, they both use a lot of energy. I go, yeah, you know how much energy. If you've ever been sick, you didn't even have energy to get out of the bed. I said, yeah, let's put a theoretical question here. You have a bad case of bacterial infection. You're going to have diarrhea. Big O. And you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. So now I ask, how do you want to split the energy of your body? How much of the energy do you want to fight the bacteria? And how much of the energy do you want to run away from the tiger? If you wait a moment and think about it, the answer is, the hell with the bacteria. Why? Well, if the tiger catches you, you don't have to worry about bacteria and diarrhea. The tiger has to worry about that now, but you don't. So I say, so what's the point? If your threat's from the outside, it overrides the need of the immune system because I have to survive the threat and then worry about my immune system. So I say, so why is that important? And here is the big thing. The answer is stress hormones shut off the immune system. They do that to conserve energy. Because if you're starting to use that energy to fight bacteria and the tiger's chasing you, as I said, I'd rather have the energy to escape the tiger, deal with diarrhea later, okay? So the point about it is this. Now we have two strikes here. Stress number one causes the growth and maintenance and stabilization of the body's mechanisms, the viscera, to shut down. Stress number two is you just shut off the immune system. Let me tell you how effective it is at shutting off the immune system, and that is this. If a person's going to receive an organ transplant, a heart, a lung, a kidney, whatever it is, the doctors give the recipient of the organ stress hormones before the operation. I go, why? Because it shuts down the immune system. It prevents it from rejecting the foreign organ. I go, wow. The effect of stress hormones on shutting off the immune system is so powerful that they actually use it to shut off the immune system. So now we have two strikes. <laughs> Can't take care of the body shutting off the immune system. Now there's one that I also call the adding insult to the injury. You've just been injured, just injured yourself by shutting everything down. The insult is this. Remember I said the stress hormones cause the blood vessels in the gut to constrict. They also cause the blood vessels in the forebrain to constrict. And I say, so what's that? I go, that's where your conscious is. That's where your spirit is. That's who you are. That's you. The conscious brain is the creative brain. That was makes it human. The rest of the brain back here is called subconscious. I go, yeah, so what? I go, well, the subconscious takes you, care of your body automatically. No thinking, just boom, boom, boom. I go, so why is that important? If you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, it's not time to think, man, <laughs> because thinking is slow. It's time to react and run. So I say, yes, stress hormones cause the blood vessels in the forebrain. It constrict pushes the blood to the hindbrain, which is fight or flight, run, okay? So now we have three strikes. Shut down the growth and maintenance of the body. Shut down the immune system. Number three, shut down the intelligence of the system because thinking is not going to help you in this time. Running is going to help you. 
So I say, wow. I say, so what's the result? I say, that's stress. I say, so what? Now, here comes the big thing Chris has been talking about for 100 years here, and that is this. Okay, we have a healthcare crisis on the entire planet. It's getting worse every day. I said, with all the money that we put in that medical system and all that stuff, the health crisis is getting worse every day. I go, yeah, because of this. We've been focusing that issues of health and disease are connected to our genetics. Here's a fact. Less than 1% of disease is connected to genetics. Less than 1%. I said, then where's all the disease coming from? Well, I can tell you a fact. 90% of disease is coming from stress. Why? Shutting down the system and causing it to go into disrepair while you're under stress. I go, so wait, did nature design that? And I go, look, when nature designed the system, the only stress we had was to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. So what does that take? 10, 15 minutes? You escape the tiger? Okay, you can go back into growth and health and harmony and do all that again. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, stress is 24 7, 365. You're releasing stress hormones all day long. You're actually interfering with the growth and maintenance of the body. You're shutting down the immune system's effect and you're becoming less intelligent. And I go, that's 90% of disease. 90%. I say, so what's this point? I go, well, the issue is not genetics or anything there. The issue is fear. I go, wow. I go, why is that important? Well, fear from a saber-toothed tiger makes sense, okay? Fear, let's say, what's happening today? This very day, Krista, the world is getting jacked up with some more fear. And I said, what fear is that? COVID is coming back. The fear of COVID. COVID's a killer. No, it is not a killer. The people who, yes, people got seriously sick with COVID and died. I go, was it the COVID that killed them? I say, no. They were already weak. They had what are called comorbidities, excessive weight, excessive obese right away. 70% of the people who died in stress, obese. Okay, what else? Diabetes type 2. Yeah, they were already under threat. And the immune system was working on the obesity. It was working on diabetes. And then what else? I go, huh. In addition to that, the actual stress itself was killing them. And I go, so it was diabetes, heart issues, obesity. They were there before the COVID. When the COVID showed up, the immune system was already on overload. I go, that one. I said, well, now that COVID shows up, it's like, the immune system is now trying to handle too much, handle nothing. And people got sick. And I said, so what else? I said, people who were healthy, people had that listen to Krista and have a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. When they started doing testing, they found 40% of the people that were infected had no idea they were even infected because their immune system was strong. It's the only people who had a weak immune system. So what was the point? Well, they're trying to sell the vaccine, which I can't believe it, but in the original paperwork, you know, when you get a drug, you get some paperwork with it, and they talk about the effects. And in the original paperwork for the vaccine, it says, this will not prevent you from getting COVID. This will not prevent you from spreading COVID. That was in the drug information sheet day one. I said, so what was the point? I said, then what the hell were you taking a vaccine for? And all of a sudden it's like, because they said so. I go, oh, you weren't thinking. You were just reacting and doing this. And everybody were like sheep and they lined up and they got the injections. And I go, guess what? Nobody ever studied the side effects of those things. Oh, yeah, they did two weeks. Two weeks, 
hey, I gave them an injection, and two weeks later, they're still alive. I guess the vaccine is good. I go, two weeks? We're finding out now that the side effects of the vaccine were more dangerous than the COVID itself. And I go, you were sold that. And I go, why? People are trying to control your health. Uh, And Chris has been talking about this all the time. I say, the health industry is number two in the world. I go, what do you mean? I say, number one industry in the world is the military industrial complex. I say, number two, the biggest economy in the world, number two, is the health industry. I go, health industry? I go, yeah, they're making more money almost than the military. I go, why? And the answer is this, because they're not helping us. They're just sustaining us. They're giving you drugs that don't cure you, but make you believe you're okay. Okay? And I go, well, the significance is this. I'm going to give a fact. And I was in the medical school, and I was a medical school professor, so what I say is not out of school. The third leading cause of death in the United States is, well, let's talk about number one, cardiovascular disease. Yep, heart condition, main cause of death in the United States. Number two, cancer. Cancer. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, all of you out there. You ready? There's no gene that causes cancer. There's not one gene. You have that gene, you get cancer. And this is especially important for women to understand because you've been programmed with the belief that the breast cancer gene is the cause of cancer. And I go, this is BS. That means belief system. This is a belief system. Why? Because the reason is this. 50% of the women that have the gene never get the cancer. Because what does that mean? Possession of the gene itself doesn't cause cancer. It's a lifestyle that's not in harmony with the activation of that gene causes cancer. So there's no gene if you have that gene. So especially we want women to understand, why do 50% of the women carry the gene, never get the cancers? Because they're healthy. They live in harmony. And this is what Chris has been trying to tell you. And I just want to tell you from a medical scientific point of view, this is the whole secret. And I come down to the culture medium. I say, what's the culture medium? It says the blood. I say, why is that important? Because in a laboratory, when I make culture medium, I don't buy my ingredients at Kmart. I buy the best quality ingredients in the world. Why? Because if I compromise on those ingredients, get a cheaper ingredient, and feed the cells with those, I can watch the cells in the microscope get sick within minutes and start to die. So number one is this. Culture medium is blood, and that is the most important fact that controls your genetics, your behavior, and your emotions. I go, so why is that uh, relevant to our story? And the answer is this. There are two things about culture medium. Number one is nutrition. I go, what does that mean? I say, the function of the blood is to provide the resources, the energy, the nutrition to keep the system running. So what does that mean? It says, well, then first of all, you have to understand when you eat food, why are you eating it? Well, presumably I'm growing or making culture medium. I say, well, then be careful of the ingredients. Why? I said, industrial farm food has taken the essential elements that you need for good life out of it. They make tomatoes very red. They taste like crap. You know, it's like, who cares? Genetic engineering is ruining what nature gave us. That's why it's important for all of us to go back and recognize, eat natural, eat organic, eat biodynamic food. Why? Because it's still in harmony with the earth and we came from the earth. So you want to live in harmony with yourself and the earth, then eating a diet of healthy, nutritional food is important because that's what feeds the 50 trillion cells. That's number one, okay? What else is in culture medium? Blood. And this is the part that people have left out of the story. And I go, chemicals that control the biology, emotional chemicals, hormones, 
growth factors from the nervous system. These are all signals that orient and activate the cells to conform. I say, what well, so significant is this? Then your emotions and your consciousness are controlling the chemistry that's going along with this blood. And if you start releasing the stress hormones, as I mentioned, then what are you going to do? Is like, you're going to shut the system down. I don't care how much wonderful food you eat. If you're under stress, you're going to shut the system down. It's independent of nutrition. It's coordination. And so 90% of illness is coming from this problem. And the issue, and this is not a new story on this channel, folks. Chris has been trying to tell you this for a long time. I just want to add the fact that this is biomedically sound. This is actually what it's all about. We have to disconnect from the fear. You have to get out of the stress. I say, oh, it's permeating everything. I say, because you're buying into a story. Look at your own life. Look at your personal little community. Because if you start looking about what's happening in the Ukraine and you get all stressed out, I said, that doesn't help you. doesn't help them either. doesn't help anybody. Actually, makes you more stressed. And if you're more stressed, then you're going to get sick. So what's yeah. the point? Well, you and, answered some of my questions about growth medium. If I can, I'm going to summarize. Please, some of the do, please. I'm sorry. I just no, no, you're good. I am just like that, honestly. So it's no problem. I'm going to summarize some of the things you talked about a little bit to reiterate them. And then I want to talk a little bit about cell membranes and nutrients and changes yes. that happen under stress. So you talked about something that I probably taught three times yesterday, which is under fight or flight, all the blood flow goes away from the central cavity and it takes away from healing and repair. It also takes away from potentially sex hormone production, right? Because your ovaries are in this midsection also. So this is important for fertility reasons, which is a whole another conversation I hope we can get into maybe as well. You talked about culture medium, what you are putting in, the information you're putting in there and how it impacts immediately whether these cells are kind of diseased. I think about this all the time about cellular cleanup and how disease cells just divide, divide, divide. And then we have cysts or crap or groups of crappy disease cells. And then the conversation is, I think about this because of cancer just becoming so damn prevalent. Now, one in three, and it's going to be one in two. So just kind of watching, observing why this happens. And people ask all the time, like, why is this happening to me, right? Which you kind of brought up at the beginning. But what happens with these disease cells? What is turning on? You brought up growth factors from the nervous system. What is turning on these diseased cells into a malignancy overall? Yeah, well, basically what's turning it on is this, is that these cells are preparing for fight or flight. And I say, well, what is that? Well, part of that is to divide the stem cells and get ready for damage so that even before you get into the accident, as you're driving and you start the car, starts to slide, and all of a sudden I go, the stress hormones are going, and I go, well, what are they doing? The first thing, actually, is they're shutting off your consciousness. Why? Because if you just think about it, you're in the car and you get out of and you're skidding, I say, what would it, if you stayed in the conscious mind? Here, here's my little story. You're in the state in the conscious mind, and the car's going out of control. You go, whoa! I said, why? You're so slow. You don't even know what. Just like, like that. I go, what happens? The stress hormones immediately shut off that consciousness. The next thing you know is you go out of flying, and then you're turning the wheel, and you're hitting the brakes, and you're doing everything so fast you didn't even think about it. I go, yeah, because that's a reaction response. Okay, so. This is the big issue is that we're being pushed into reaction, which means no maintenance of the system at this particular time. And I go, so what? And I go, well, if the immune system is supposed to be looking for cells that are not doing something right, then I said, well, the immune system is not working either. You just shut it down because you're in stress. So all of a sudden, your internal protection mechanism is shut off. I go, well, 
anybody without an internal protection mechanism will die of all kinds of diseases because you're not maintaining the harmony inside the body. And so cancer occurs this way. I'll tell you something else. Here, there are two things here. Just think about it this way. Atherosclerosis is plaques of cells building up in the blood vessel that interfere with the flow of the blood. Okay? I go, what's the cause? And they say, well, they always have cholesterol in them. So the scientists said, cholesterol is causing plaques in the... I go, first of all, BS, belief system. Why? I'll tell you what exactly causes atherosclerosis. When you're getting into a stress situation, the blood pressure increases to get that circulation moving. I say, and when blood goes through the blood vessels, it's like pushing on the surface. It's like dragging along the surface as the blood is going through. When you put pressure on the blood vessel, it means that the blood vessel can't get bigger. It's under too much pressure, and the blood vessel needs to be bigger. So a blood vessel actually has a middle point where it can contract when you want to increase the pressure, but it also can get bigger so you can reduce the pressure. But if it's under too much pressure all the time, it can't relax enough. So what does it need? More cells, more cells to make a bigger blood vessel. So I go, okay, blood vessels, this is how simple it is. Blood vessels under pressure, stress. Blood vessel is too narrow to maintain that stress. So the pressure of the blood causes the lining cells of the blood vessel, it pushes on them, and that causes the release of histamine. Ah, that's the one related to inflammation. I go, what does histamine do? It causes the cells to divide in preparation for damage because it's preparing. It's like, okay, it's coming, something's coming. So the histamine causes cells to divide. I go, right. So what's it going to do? It's going to cause the blood vessel cells lining the blood vessels to divide so I can make a bigger blood vessel. But then the stress disappears at night and you have a couple of cocktails and everything. I go, then what happens? Oh, blood pressure goes way down. Well, then what? I said, well, I don't need those extra cells. Okay. They're sitting there. But then the next day you get back to work and the pressure builds up again and more histamine and you make more cells. I go, then what? I said, then you relax. Then you don't need them. I said, so what was the point? You kept causing the cells to divide when the pressure was high, but when the pressure got reduced down again, they weren't necessary, but now I have a pile of cells. Guess what? They start to get sick because they're not being used. And then here's the funny part. Then they attract cholesterol. I go, what was the point? The cholesterol showed up after the damage. It didn't mm. cause the damage. It showed up after the damage. What caused the damage? Pressure. Why does the cholesterol just hang out there? Why did it show up there? I don't know because what it's the cells trying to do. Well, and they're just uh, cholesterol is a way of storing the, the lipids are very important. People think of cholesterol as only a negative thing. I say no. It is fundamental in the processing of information. It is a fundamental construction element in the membrane of the cell that allows it to interact with the environment. If you don't have cholesterol, you die. That's mm -hmm. a simple question. And you there. can't make any hormones to back of all. And it's involved with so many, as you just said, as Krista said, is there's, uh, there's many different things that it's functioning for. But under stress, that game is over at this point. By so, the way, when you're yeah. talking about constriction, I was saying this. I couldn't help. It was like a little voice going off in my head. Under pressure, pressing down. <laughs> anyway, yes. just making yes. it a little lighthearted. You brought yeah. up really this great point about um cell membrane structure and the importance of lipids. And so I want you to finish your thought, but I want to talk about cell membranes too. You finish your thought first, and then we'll go over there. <laughs> well, the whole idea about this is, I'll give you another one, is the same thing. Building up under the threat and not using something. Mm -hmm. Inside the body, 
atherosclerosis. Let me tell you a simple fact in experiments that I was involved with. You ready? Mm-hmm. We put so much cholesterol injected into the blood of the rats that, who are the model for atherosclerosis in the lab. So we have two sets of rats. One of them, we just put so much cholesterol in the blood, the blood is not red. It's actually milky white. There's so much lipid in the blood, okay? Mm-hmm. And of course, these rats get atherosclerosis. That's the model for them. Now, the other set of rats gets the same amount of cholesterol, but guess what? With an antihistamine. And so what? And I said, what? I said, never got atherosclerosis. With all that cholesterol, the blood was milky white, no atherosclerosis. I said, why? Because it was the histamine that caused the atherosclerosis, not the cholesterol. It was the stress. And so I said, so why is it significant? It's like, Everybody wants to deal with cholesterol. I said, cholesterol is vital to the function of the cell. You reduce the cholesterol too much, you will have dysfunction in the entire system. And number two, the amount of cholesterol you eat in your diet has nothing to do with the amount of cholesterol in your body. That's mm-hmm. the other thing that after all the years, don't do this, don't eat this, don't eat that. It's like, it's irrelevant. Why? The cholesterol from diet does not determine the cholesterol in the blood. That's determined by the physiology of the system. Went wrong way on that. I didn't know histamine's role in atherosclerosis, but I deal with histamine every day because I deal with a lot of skin issues and allergic style issues. Post-COVID, we have massive... Let's just like do a quick histamine 101. The neurotransmitter natural to the body, the body should be able to break it down with enzymes in the gut and be moved out through drainage and detoxification systems. That's how I explain it. But it's naturally occurring from... Why, why is it occurring? Why is it there? I don't know. Go ahead. Because it's a fundamental character of an immune response. It's mm-hmm. a built-in, you activate the immune system, you activate histamine. Because mm-hmm. histamine is like the airway. Perfect segue. Histamine Perfect is like, okay, something's happening. We don't know what it is. Could mm-hmm. be dangerous. Let's cause some cells to divide. Get ready to repair what's mm-hmm. going to happen right here. Okay? The other histamine, I want to talk about the one on the outside of the body because it's related to the skin. Okay? Mm-hmm. Please. There's an issue called psoriasis. I say, what's psoriasis? I say, it's thickening of the skin. The skin gets real thick. I go, what causes that? Stress hormones, histamine. Mm-hmm. I go, why? Consciously, remember, the brain is organizing to respond to the inner and outer worlds. If the brain is perceiving that someone is, get ready, getting under your skin, the skin thickens. Mm-hmm. to prevent that. Talked about that's, that on the show. That's basically what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And issues of the skin are generally associated with inflammation and infection. Mm-hmm. So when there's a threat of all this, you activate the immune system. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, what's the function of the immune system? Kill things. Okay, it's hopefully the things that are bothering you. But people also have to recognize this, an overactive immune system does not distinguish between just the toxic things. It will kill things. That's why it becomes dangerous. Inflammation, too much inflammation exceeds killing what the problem was, now actually causes damage in your own system. Why? The stuff that inflammatory cells release to kill things kill our cells just as much as they kill the other cells. Yeah. Boosting the immune system is perhaps a misnomer. Homeostasis of the immune system is best. Quick side note, and let's talk about inflammation in the immune system. Let's circle back to it because this will take us to cell membranes also. Something really common. So post-COVID, there's all these histamine inflammatory things that are like going through the roof. And so allergy to the sun, which is a big histamine mechanism thing. Also, I couldn't help but think of that when you were talking about psoriasis. It's like a sad thing. 
that I've seen a well, lot Well, it's of. a sad thing. I'll tell you why it's a sad thing. Because the way people treat it is very dangerous. In other words, hey, today the sun's out. I'm going to the beach. I said, you haven't even been in the sun for days or weeks at a time. And today you go to the beach, brought out all skin, sun baking. I go, that is a dangerous situation because sun can be dangerous. I say, can be. I say, why? If you allow the tanning of the skin, okay, to occur slowly and build up, then when you're in the sun, you're covered, okay? I used to live in the Caribbean, and it was like sunny almost every day, which I love. And the reality was that my melanin system is so prepared for sun that if I haven't seen the sun for a while and go out in the direct sun, it looks like I get a little sunburn, I get a little red and all that. And I say, yeah, but my system is so designed that by the end of the day, that turns into a tan. I go, why? Because it's it already has turned on the mechanism and said, sun, let's go put the pigment back in there. Let's get back and block it. But that was a, a habit, a habituation of doing that. But for the person who is like cold turkey, I haven't been outside, but boy, today's a great day to go to the beach. And they go to the beach. You burned yourself because the system wasn't tooled up, ready to manage extra sun. I mean, it depends the, with eating vegetables and people's enzymes also. It's like, well, if you it, haven't eaten they, no, it's all part of it because it's all maintenance of the immune system. I say, what's maintenance of the immune system? Well, vitality. Mm -hmm. And if you compromise vitality, you compromise everything in the system. Mm -hmm. And the immune system, as I said, uses a lot of energy of the body. And if you're not providing that, the immune system is compromised. And then when it's compromised, that's when illness occurs because it's not capable of fully reacting to the world. So I say, so what's the issue? I say, stress, number one biggest cause of disease, 90% stress. I go, but what does that mean? It says, well, then you have the ability to recover. I say, why? Because you learned the not over the stress. Uh, let me give you a story that Dean Ornish, an internist, a scientist in California, in San Francisco, a prostate cancer patients, he split them into two groups. Both of them have prostate cancer. It's an experiment that ran 90 days. I said, what was the experiment? I said, at the beginning of the experiment, both groups get gene readout to see how the genes are responding, okay? Then the experiment, I said, what happens? I say, group one, that's a control. They get the same treatment that all prostate cancer patients get from doctors, whether it's drugs and stuff like that, chemistry and all that. The second group of prostate cancer patients, no medical treatment. I go, what do you mean? I said, they taught them how to meditate. They taught them stress reduction techniques. And as importantly, as Crystal will recognize, they taught them how to have a better diet. So two groups, one, conventional medical treatment, other group, lifestyle changes. 90 days later, they reread the genes of what happened. The medical treated group, they had the same genes active that it was active before the 90 days. The ones that had lifestyle changes, 500 genes changed their function from what? Diet, meditation, stress reduction. And those genes were primarily tied up with the cancer in the first place. So what was happening? They were actually curing the cancer, not with medicine, but with health and harmony for the individual's body, their biology. The, the things that inform the environment right there, which is a whole top. I mean, the only caveat I would say that sometimes I see with people that thrive on stress and perfectionism, et cetera, is not letting some of these lifestyle things be an additional stressor, but something to embrace. Because that happens a lot, that sometimes yeah. these lifestyle things become actually an additional stressor. And then it's a moot point. It's not helping anything. 
you've brought up stress a lot. And stress is, to me, synonymous with inflammation. Inflammation is informed by the immune system. The immune system is informed by several things, but largely the nervous system and nutrition. Now, I'm getting to the point here. Inflammation massively impacts cell membranes. And I know you talk a a bit about cell. I got very excited when I heard you talk about cell membranes. Yeah. So when people have been chronically ill for a long time, they've had a lot of inflammatory processes, which happens, cell membranes suffer. And when cell membranes suffer, nutrients don't get in and out of the cell. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about cell membranes, things that get in and out of the cell, if possible. So we do actually know how stress hormones impact the chemistry because I work on mineral stuff, right? So cortisol dumps out potassium, which is a doorway for getting nutrients in and out of the cell. So talk a little bit about, for me, the bottom line is, if there's been a lot of inflammation coming in from environmental factors, stress, other environmental factors, mold, whatever, causing a lot of inflammation, this person may really struggle to get, or until we can get that cell membrane to be in a better shape. What do you want to say about that? Well, you basically, remember, it goes down to the fact that I said, you can be in growth, which is like love state, is mm-hmm. the maximum development of growth, or you can be in protection, which is shut down the system, wall yourself off. And I go, well, what's the point? I say, you can't be in growth and protection at the same time. I go, why not? Well, growth means you're open to take in the information from the environment. Protection means you're closed and you're walling off the environment. I go, so what's the point? I say, you can't survive by walling off the environment because you shut down the growth. And I go, so. The more stress you're under, the less growth. It's a balancing thing like this. And so the point about it is this, is that stress activates the cell membrane. And I go, okay, now this is what Chris is trying to get at, is what is the cell membrane? The skin. I go, why is that important? Because up until my research, it was considered that the genes were controlling things, okay? Once I started to recognize the nature of my research, it was was the environment. and this is where. I and my colleagues had a problem because they said to me, well, Bruce, how do those environmental signals you're talking about control genes? Because they're talking genes control themselves. And I go, no, the environment. And they said, how? And it took me a couple of years to study the mechanism of how. And it's like the skin is the interface between the outside world and the inside world. So the skin is in a position to see two environments at the same time and adjust. Outside world changes. The skin changes the inside world to change along with it to live in harmony. Okay. So our skin is actually our nervous system. I go, yes. If you understand embryology. First time anyone said that here. That's the first time anyone said the skin is your nervous system here. Well, if you understand embryology, it turns out the skin of the back of the embryo turns in and forms Mm. a tube that becomes spinal cord and brain. So your skin is the source of your nervous system. Well, once I started to understand the nature of the cell, I said, oh, the skin of the cell is the nervous system for the cell. It reads the environment and signals and Mm -hmm. then adjusts the inside to respond to those signals. And then the question was how? And I was studying the cell membrane and defining it in different ways and trying to figure out the mechanism of how does this work? And there was a day in 1985, and I remember it was Mm -hmm. like I was writing a new description a biochemical description. And I wrote this down. The cell membrane is a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. And I wrote that. And all of a sudden I said, wow, that sounds familiar. Where did I read? I read that. I had just bought my first Macintosh in 1985. And I bought a 
book from Radio Shack, Understanding Your Microprocessor. You know, it's like an introduction, how the hell this thing works. Right there in the introduction, a chip is a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. You go, what a coincidence. The cell membrane and the chip have the same definition. But then I went deeper and studied the relationships one to one to one to one. And then it's like, oh my God, the cell membrane is a chip. And I go, it's a chip. What's it doing? On the surface are what are called receptors. They're the keys, like on a keyboard when you type on the computer. The environment information types on the surface of your cell by hitting these receptors. And these receptors tell the cell what's going on outside. And when those receptors get activated, they turn on a system to send information into the cell. And I said, oh my God, the cell membrane is an information processor. It reads the environmental signals that are being typed on the surface and then send signals inside the cell to control it. And then it's like, oh, my God, the nucleus is a hard drive. Why? It's got programs in it. I go, oh, geez, the cell is a computer chip. It takes information from the environment and sends that information into the cell to control the behavior and controls the genes. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's programmable. Yes, that's why a stem cell can be a muscle cell, a brain cell a skin cell. A, a stem cell can become anything. Why? It's a cell that hasn't been programmed yet. Can and we... when the cell divides, the environment that where that cell is will push signals onto the cell that will activate the genes to manifest the cell that is needed mm-hmm. in that replacement. And all this the is... Just, a cell is programmable. Yeah. And then I said, when, who's the programmer? That goes back to the original study where it was the environmental culture medium was programming the genetics of the cell. And I go, yes, but in your human body, it's the blood chemistry that is programming the genetics of your programmable cells. And you can program them to be healthy, and you can also program them to become cancer. And all With your emotions. It's the programming. With your emotions. Oh, well, they, the emotional is chemicals. Mm-hmm. And emotion chemicals are there are receptors on the cell, keys on that keyboard that respond to the emotions. So whatever emotion you have, you're adjusting the function of the cell to conform to that emotion. And, and all of a sudden it says, change your emotion. You change the chemistry. And then I say, yeah. And then you change the programming. And I go, yeah, that was the whole idea. And when people were not living in harmony, they ended up activating cells that created cancer. The cancer wasn't from the genes inside. The cancer was a reflection of the information coming from the outside, which is in the blood, which is controlled by the brain, which is then influenced by the thought. And all of a sudden, it's like all the disease on this planet, 90% of it could stop tomorrow. Right? Why? Just tell people, hey, you know that stress? Let's don't do this anymore. (laughs) I remember there used to be a show on TV called The Bob Newhart Show, and he played a psychologist. And I loved it because everybody came in with their own little problems. And then he would sit on the other side of the desk. And after they, t- they told him his problem, he said, just stop it. Just stop it now. And that was his, his response to everybody. But actually, that's the point. Well, this comes up all the time because I have people with unrealized stress where it's, you know, we are, you said it earlier, the stress is 24-7. So after you're so programmed by it and it's in your environment, you're un- unconscious to it, really. It's you're, un- you're unrealized. That's the problem. That is literally, honestly, one of my largest conundrums well, in life. <laughs> the problem is this. I have two minds, and we have confused them by saying the mind. I say, no, no, there are two minds. Each mind has a different function, but they're integrated to work in harmony. Okay, they're interdependent. 
I go, what does it mean? I'd say they have the latest evolution of the brain right behind your forehead is called the prefrontal cortex. That is the seat of the conscious mind. The conscious mind is the creative mind. That's what separates us from lower organisms. We have imagination. We can create, okay? The rest of the brain back here, about 90% actually, is called the subconscious mind. I go, what's the difference? Conscious mind is creative. Subconscious mind is programs. Programs, just like you got in a computer. You get a brand new computer and you push start and the screen boots up. And I say, do something. You say, not until I put some programs into the computer can I use it. And I go, exactly the same for the brain. And the programs, then I say, where do you get them from? I said, the first seven years of your life as a child, from the last trimester of pregnancy through age seven, the brain is not predominantly unconscious at all. It's in a lower vibration called theta, which is characterized by imagination. That's why kids can live in the real world, the imaginary world at the same time. The famous tea party, you pour nothing into the cup, you drink nothing, and you say, that was the best tea I ever had. I go, that's imagination, that's theta. But theta is hypnosis. I go, so why is it important? A child has to learn all the rules to be a member of a family. A child has to learn all the rules to be a member of a community. How many rules are those? I go, thousand rules. I go, so how's an infant going to learn this? I go, they can't read a book. They can't go to school. They can't do that. And I go, nature created that first seven years of state of hypnosis so they can observe the parents, the family, and the community, observe their behavior in a state of hypnosis, download their behaviors as programs to activate your brain computer. After age seven, then consciousness can take over and write the programs that they want, okay? But the problem is this. Conscious mind, which can control your life, also can think. I go, well, what's the difference? Like controlling your life, you have to be aware of what's going on, engage, and do all those things. I say, what about thinking? I say, that, that you're looking inside. A thought is inside. Krista, today's Thursday. Tell me what you're doing on Saturday. And after a moment, Krista, and you can see her eyes just went... Oh, I'm moving my daughter into college. Okay, and so what was the point? Where did you get that information? Was it sitting in front of you? No, it wasn't. I had to go through the Rolodex in my brain. It was a random question. Ah, the like, Rolodex oh. in the brain. So what was the point? The moment you were thinking, you stopped looking out at this world, and you could even see your eyes. They just shifted. I was like, that was random. <laughs> because you went inside. I said, so what's the point? And this is the point. The conscious mind can control the vehicle, the body. But if the conscious mind's thinking, it's not paying attention to what's going on because it's looking inside, not looking out. And the subconscious programs take over as autopilot. Now comes, so what's the problem in the whole damn world? And the answer is this. We get bad programming. Up to 60% of the programs we got as children are disempowering, self-sabotaging, limiting beliefs. Up to 60%. I go, so what? And I say, and here comes the number. Hold on. 95% of your life, you are thinking. I go, so what does that mean? What does that mean? I go, well, that means in 95% of the day, you're not creating your life with your conscious mind. You're playing subconscious programs. And it's autopilot. And I said, do you see the programs that you are playing? I go, no. You know why? You're not looking out the window. Yeah. So whatever behavior is coming out, you're the only one that can't see it. So a story. 40, 50 years old now, same story. You have a friend, you know your friend's behavior, you know your friend's parent, 
And one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent. You got to tell her, hey, we're all picturing multiple people like right now. Dad. We're all picturing. They just like your dad back away from Bill because I know what Bill's going to say. And you heard him say it. He's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who can't see it is Bill. Why? Because he's playing the program when he's not paying attention. So he's the only one. And then now the conclusion of that, Krista, we are all Bill. Yes. Every one of us. Yes, every we, day. yes we are. <laughs> and the point is, are you creating the life you want? Are you creating the program that you have? And the point that becomes very critical is the story, the movie The Matrix is not science fiction. The movie The Matrix is a documentary. Like, what do you mean? Because the premise of the story is everybody's program. I go, well, that's a fi- that's a scientific reality. Everybody, every child is programmed through age seven. That's a fact, okay? But I love it because in the movie, they say, if you take a red pill, you can get out of the program. Now I'm going to tell you, most of you have taken that red pill with the most amazing results. I go, what was that? Falling in love. Your life could be blah, 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 blah. And then you meet somebody 24 hours later, Oh, life is so beautiful. Everything's great. <laughs> the food, the music. I can't tell you about the sex. It was way great. And, I'm, and I say, you went blah, 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 blah. And then 24 hours, you had heaven on earth. I said, what the hell happened? First time in your life, you stopped playing the programs. And then I said, well, if you're not playing the program, subconscious, then what's running your life? I say, conscious. I said, what's that? Creative. I said, what is it you create? I wanted heaven on earth. I go, that's called the honeymoon. Why? You are creating the life you wanted. And it was the most explosive thing in your whole world. And then I go, so what happened to that? And I say, how did you create that? You stop thinking because when you fall in love, you stay what is called mindful. You stay present. Why would you think when what you've been looking for your whole life is now in front of your face? You stay there, not thinking. You're just taking it in. I go, so why is that important? You're not defaulting to the programs when you're in love. Does it have to be love with a person? Let me emphasize that. And the answer is no. No. It has to be something you do that is so enjoyable to you mm-hmm. that you just stay present because it's so it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Being an artist, okay, being a musician, being a gardener, mm-hmm. being a chef, you know, things that we, you do them, you're so excited that you are not thinking, you're just being there. I go, what happens? It's the same as being in love. You stop playing the program. And that's why we get all the joy of doing those things because no programs in the way. I am operating from creative consciousness, creativity, make a meal, make an art picture, whatever. So the point about it is this, conventional people, 95% of the day thinking, meaning their lives are not theirs. They've been running programs for 95% of the day, and those programs didn't even come from them. It came from other people. How influential? They looked at what happens when babies are adopted into a family where there's cancer running in the family. Turns out the adopted child will get the same family cancer with the same possibility as any of the natural siblings. I go, yeah, but the adopted child came from completely different genetics. Yes, I know that. What was the issue? It was programming that was passed from generation to generation. That's what caused the cancer. The cancer wasn't caused by genes. I go, where'd that programming come from? First seven years of your life. And if you run your life with those programs, then you're going to manifest whatever... (laughs) Whoever you copied that program from, you will manifest that same life. I have to admit, my mother and father had a very dysfunctional relationship. In my first seven years, I downloaded my father's behavior. Yeah, but that was the behavior that was causing the dysfunction. 
So I said, so what was the result? I said, for the first 40 plus years of my life, I could not get a relationship off the ground. Why? Mm. Because my subconscious programming played my father's behavior, which inevitably pushed people away. Mm. I had no relationship until I learned how to change the program. Yeah. I want to talk. I I do want to get to the how do we change the programming. I had three very kind of different questions submitted by people. So I'm going to tell you the three questions so you can answer it however you want. So the first one is, what about mental health issues and how does that change the discussion? The next one is kids. They've got all these things flooding into their thoughts, don't have to think for themselves. Other thoughts are coming in from screen time and all these things. How do we provide positive, insightful things for kids. And then the last one, I know I'm kind of jamming a lot in here, but I want you to be able to just riff on whatever you want here. The last one was, I've tried some things Bruce Lipton has recommended to clear some negative beliefs. I don't remember which ones this person said. And it didn't work for me. So I'm wondering how the brain changes induced by trauma, blah, blah, blah. Like I've been doing EFT and tapping for years, never gotten the miraculous results. And I still just go, I'll be happy for a minute. I'll get some results. And then whatever I was working on just pops back up again. Okay. We got three different questions. Let's first go to the one that's really important to me. And that is the nature of child programming. I said the first seven years of a child's life are where the programs come in that determine 95% of their life. The Jesuits have told their followers for 400 years, give me a child until it is seven and I will show you the man. I said, what does that mean? They said, let me program the first seven. And then 95% of the life of that person will be the program. So that was the whole idea. I said, that knowledge is not lost. (laughs) That programming of children today is far better than the Jesuits could have ever imagined. You can watch an infant who can barely walk carrying an iPad and responding to the computer program on an iPad. I go, my God, that's programming. The kid can't even hardly walk and they know how to now use an iPad. I go, okay, here's the issue. Everything in the body is called use it or lose it. Every system in the body is use it or lose it, okay? And I go, significance is this. There's a period in brain development where creativity becomes an important part of our abilities, being creative. Ah, conscious mind, creativity, enhancing creativity. That is the destination. However, today the kids are not being enhanced with creativity. They're being programmed with rote memory. Science, technology, engineering, math. These remember this equation. Remember this fact. Remember this fact. I said, "Where's the creativity?" I said, "There is no creativity. That's memory. That's all it is." Did you remember the equation? Uh huh. Do you remember how that works? Uh huh. I learned it. I said, "Where's creativity?" I said, "There was no creativity. You just downloaded facts." I said, "What happened to creativity?" Well, when I went to school in the dark ages, we had music. We had art, we had shop and home mech, we had creative programs where we could exercise creativity. And I say, so what is the result? I said, because when those are put into the education program, they enhance creativity. But when you go to school today, there are no enhancements of creativity. It's all rote memorization. And computer games are not creative. Computer games are totally reactive. It's not creation. It's a response, react, react, react. I go, oh, yeah, that develops this hindbrain. What about developing this? I say, we don't do that. And I say, and what's happened? I said, in the United States especially, which was used to be extremely high in the whole world, our creativity, our education system, our technology, everything we did, now the U.S. has dropped down so low 
that we don't have as many creative kids anymore. And I say, why? Because you, in a period when they needed to learn creativity, you gave them rote memorization stuff. And the child, we are losing our creative capability. And that becomes important. It says then children's programming is disempowering the kids of the future because we're not giving them an opportunity to think and be creative. We're giving them respond, react. Okay, great, soldier. You're a soldier. You see that? I want to shoot that one. I go, where's the creativity? I go, we're losing it. The U.S. used to be technologically the most advanced. Not anymore. Why? We've taken creativity away from the public. And creativity is what makes humans what they are. So we lost that. Now, going back to the next one was about, I tried these programs and it didn't work. Okay. I said, the ones that you just mentioned are very important, like EFT. I said, what is EFT? It's a pattern interrupt process. Meaning what? I find myself going into negative thinking and all of a sudden I say, oh, I got to do tapping, e EFT. Oh, tap it, three, tap, 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 whatever. I say, what did you just do? Well, I went through a regimen of tapping. I go, yeah, but what happened? I say, you stopped thinking about the problem, switched over to a behavior that doesn't have anything to do with the problem. You stop thinking. I go, what does that mean? It's a way of shut down the thinking that was causing the negative stop. So the moment you got negative, you say, I start doing the tapping. And I say, good, now you just stop thinking about that. You're doing something else. The problem is if you come right back to the problem, then the EFT didn't really do much. It stopped you for a period of time, but it didn't change it. EFT is great for interrupting the pattern, but not necessarily for reprogramming. Mm -hmm. Reprogramming is another process. And the idea about reprogramming is, number one, you can't do it alone. I go, what do you mean? I say, how are you going to do this reprogramming? I'm going to talk to myself. I'm going to give myself a good, don't you do this, Bruce. Don't you do this. Don't you do this. I go, who are we talking to? I'm talking to myself. I go, yeah, but who or what are you talking to? Well, the program is in the subconscious, so I'm talking to my subconscious. Don't do this. Don't do that program anymore. I go, there's nobody in the subconscious. It's a hard drive. I go, why is it important? I say, well, if you think you can change the hard drive by talking to it, then talk to your computer and tell it you want to change the program. I say, you can talk to your blue in the face. That computer's not going to change. Why? There's nobody in the hard drive to hear you do that. And I go, so what's the point? Trying to talk to yourself and change your programming is a very big waste of time. <laughs> you want to engage the learning process. And there are many ways to do it. And it's called energy psychology. Now, EFT is an energy psychology, but it doesn't. its function is to interrupt the program. Its function is not necessarily to change the program. But that's helpful. If you keep interrupting the program, there'll be a point where the brain will go, every time I go to this negative thought, I do EFT. And all of a sudden, the brain says, well, oh, I have negative thought. It will automatically shut off the program because it's been, it's a habit. Every time I get that program, I shut it off. Every time I get it, I shut it off. There's a point where you will get it. And before you even do any EFT, it shut itself off because it learned the habit. That's a difficult, it, you can do it, but it's much more difficult than engaging the brain. And I go, okay, engaging the brain very quickly is simply this. You know, there's a line right down the middle of your brain. And each side is called the hemisphere, left hemisphere, right hemisphere. I go, you know, they have different functions. The left hemisphere is intellectual. The right hemisphere is emotional. The left hemisphere sees all the details. The right hemisphere just sees the picture. I'll give you an example. There's a brick wall you're looking at. It. If you're looking at it with the right hemisphere, you go, oh, brick wall. If you're looking at it with the left hemisphere, you go, look at all the bricks. See all the bricks. See all the bricks. I say, oh, you've broken it down. Okay. What's the point? 
During that seven years of programming where a child is downloading programs, bam, 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 bam. How did that happen so fast? The answer was this. Before age seven, both hemispheres are functionally connected at the same time. Every experience you had had an emotional component and an intellectual component to it. Simultaneously, okay? After age seven, they don't physically separate, they functionally separate. After age seven, you could be in the left hemisphere and be more intellectual for two or three hours, and then the next two or three hours, you're in the right hemisphere and more emotional. And then the next, it's, it's a wave, mm-hmm. and it changes. Sometimes you're more intellectual, sometimes you're more emotional. This is when people have an argument where there's a big problem, and here's the problem. One person in the argument is in the intellectual side. I said, what does that mean? They got all the words, intellect. I get, and I said, the other person's in their emotional side. I said, what does that mean? They're just going, oh, uh, why? They're just responding to emotions. There's no words. And then I go, yeah, and about three hours later, the one that was is now in their emotional side, and the one who was in their emotional side is now in their intellectual side, and it reverses. And this person, I go, and the other one goes like that. So what do we need to do if you want to make super learning experience? The answer is to be like that child. So how do you do that? I say, you got to bring the two hemispheres back together again. Sounds like neuroplasticity. Well, it, it engages neuroplasticity. It opens it up so that the, the two sides can integrate their activities, the emotional and intellectual, and then change whatever's necessary. But when they're separated, they don't work together. And that's where the problem is. I can't adjust one hemisphere and, and not bring the other into that issue. I need both of them. There's a process called Cook's Hookup, and it's a way of integrating right and left hemispheres. It's a very a simple process. And when you're in that state, the brain once they're integrated right and left hemispheres, it opens up a window of super learning. And then you can download a program. Boom. In minutes, walk away. Minutes. A program you had your whole life. Five, ten minutes of get into the whole brain and rewrite the program. You can walk away. Totally different. But if you don't put the two hemispheres back together again, it's just a stressful situation because you're not resolving the problem. And just to help people, my website's very simple, brucelipton.com. And on there, I have about 25 to 30 different energy psychology modalities listed under belief change modalities, each with a website, a little paragraph about what they represent in a website. So I suggest if you take a look at those because that is the real necessary change element. The other way of making change is how did you get the programs in the first place? And I go, well, I was in a state of theta, which is a brain vibration just below consciousness. I say, so what is that? I say, every night when you go to bed, while you're awake, you're in consciousness. But the moment you fall asleep, the brain function slows down. Now you're in theta. The moment you went to sleep, the brain is in theta. Well, that's hypnosis. I go, so what? I say, if you put earbuds or earphones on at night, you just fall asleep. And you have a program playing of something you want to be true in your life, whether it's relationships, jobs, health, you get a program. You put those earphones on or earbuds on, and you can start the program and you can listen to it a bit. But the moment you fall asleep, conscious mind shut off. Yeah, but the subconscious mind is in theta. Hypnosis, I go, that's called self-hypnosis. I love it. How much work do you have to do? You have to fall asleep. I go, then, then what? I go, the rest is automatic after that. You just put the earphones on, the subconscious, and you replay it and play it because it's not a long period of theta. But if you do a repetition of it, if it's more rapid and downloads the new behavior. 
So that's how you learn the first programs for seven years. But you also learned habits after age seven. You learn how to ride a bike, drive a car, do your job, whatever. I go, where'd those, how'd you get those? I said, repetition, practice. You want to drive a car? If you haven't driven a car, I don't want to get in a car with you. I want you to practice. Then I'll get in a car with you. Because practice is how you habituate, make something a program. So you can make new programs after age seven by repetition. That's what it is. If you're not a happy, I like it because the, the, the new age thing, you know, is all about fake it till you make it kind of thing. I go, if you're an unhappy person and every day is an unhappy experience, then guess what? Then every day say to yourself, I am happy. I am happy. Just repeat it. You're not happy. I don't care. What are you doing? You're sending a signal through repetition into the brain. As many times you can repeat it during the day, I am happy. I am happy. Guess what? Habituation is repetition. There'll be a day where you get up and you don't have to say, I'm happy. Why? The program's already in. You just got up. And that's how that works, okay? Those I, are the two original ways of changing a program. Energy psychology is, is a thing called necessity is the mother of invention. Human civilization has to change their behavior right away because we're destroying the planet, facing an extinction through our behavior. How are you going to change that? We have to change behavior. Do I want everybody to spend weeks and weeks learning how to? No, I want you to spend 15 minutes walk away. And that's what energy psychology offers us today. Well, I interviewed a life coach earlier this week, and he said something similar to you, that if you want to be joyful, just do it. Like, be, do, become eventually and that's and it's funny because when i interview men that's largely their that's like a version of what they say which is funny and i had a, a man on he's like women kind of worry too much a little bit about things and i don't know i'm not getting into that but it's just funny i love when i love pattern recognition i love yeah. when this when different people say the same thing in different ways yeah. there must be truth to it right success well this is a really wonderful part because it is basically saying i am running from a program recognize that is true there's everybody out here is running from a program. One of the big issues is, well, you got the program starting while you were in the last trimester of pregnancy and then for seven years. And I say, oh, tell me your program. I go, what do you mean? I say, well, what did you learn when you were in the womb? Well, I don't know. Okay. You had a whole year of programming from zero to one. What programs did you download from? Well, I don't know. Okay. You had another whole year of programming from one to two. What program? I don't know. And I say, from two to three. By three, you might start remembering some of the things that happened. But before that, you have no idea. I say, so why is it important? Because those programs are running your life and you don't even see them. I say, so you don't even know what they are. Why? I just asked you, what did you learn? You said, I don't know. And I go, and here's the answer. 95% of your life is coming from the program, the subconscious. I go, why is that relevant? The answer is because your life is a printout of your programs. I go, what does that mean? I go, well, the things you like that come into your life, they come into your life because you have programmed to acknowledge those things. But the things you wish and desire and you want in your life and you work hard and you sweat over and you're struggling, you're putting, I'm making it happen. I'm putting a lot of effort. I'm going to make it happen. Why are you working so hard? And the answer is simply this, whatever that destination is you want, your subconscious program is preventing you from getting there. And you're trying to override the program with effort not very effective. <laughs> so I say, so what are your programs? I say, look at your life. Things that you like that come in, don't worry, man, you got a program, that's why they're there. The things you wish for and desire and you struggle to get there, that is a representation that programs 
do not support your destination. And now you know exactly what you want to change those belief systems about that destination. So the only question you didn't answer, I don't know if there's really time to unpack it or not, but well, you can tell me that was someone yeah, asked about mental health diseases and disorders and how does belief play a role in this? Yeah. Well, the basic thing is this, there's an interference process between the consciousness of the individual and the expression of their biology and their behavior. There's a very important part to this, and that is there's a consciousness behind all of this and it's struggling to get out. <laughs> it doesn't want what's being given, but it has the individual has no control over it. So I say, well, what, what's the relevance? I say, you can reprogram the person's consciousness separate from their subconscious programming, and you can do it. It's an, an energy issue. You can connect consciousness to consciousness, not body to body, consciousness to consciousness, spirit to spirit. That's getting into an energy field. This is part of energy healing, okay? The relevance is that you can take on somebody else's consciousness if they allow it. If they allow it, you can take it on, and then you could work on their problem, and that will change their life. This happens a lot in these programs where you actually take on somebody else's consciousness. And they can't do it physically themselves, but the consciousness is the spirit, not the programming. It's above the programming. And if they allow it, you can take on their consciousness and become them for a period of time, a short period of time. And then if you work on the problem that they haven't been able to work on, you change the field. You've also changed their field, and their field will then change their biology underneath. But if you try to deal with them on a human level, talking and stuff like that, the interference of their nervous system will not necessarily allow that communication to occur. But the spirits are always there. And this is a, a real, real thing. You can take on somebody else's consciousness, of course, depending if they want you to do it, because you may want to change somebody, you know, help somebody change their life and they don't want you to do that. Uh, you can't take on that consciousness. It's a process to do this, okay? Uh, so there is a way to deal with that. It goes beyond our face-to-face -face conventional communication level. It's an energy level higher up in the field where you're going to work with people in a different plane than this physical plane. So thank you so much for coming on today. We really went a lot of circles, different ways, talking about cells, talking about beliefs, biology, all the things that you usually talk about. People can find some answers to reprogramming on your website, BruceLipton.com, yes. under resources. There's multiple energy psychology programming modalities there to yes. explore. But if you could give people one message for today, like just one final thought or message, what would it be? Well, I am one of those people that first caught on to the knowledge of how this is all working. I wanted to tell people because it's if you understand what I'm talking about, you create this most wonderful life. So I gather people together and I try to say, here's the science of how to create this wonderful life. And then they looked at me and they go, you know, Lipton, for a guy who says, you know this, your life doesn't look that good. And that was a wake-up call, which is the wake-up call we all need. And that was this. I was talking the talk, but I sure as heck wasn't using that information in my own life. I was giving them, this is how it works. I wasn't using it. I wasn't walking the walk of it. And once I started to turn that around, my life instantly turned around. And I have to tell you, I am so in love with life. I want to tell you, I'm like, I'm almost 80 right now and enjoying every minute of it. I still wake up, which is always good. And the fact is this, I have been healthy, happy, stress-free. I haven't even 
gotten angry in the last few years where it used to be part of my everyday life. Oh, it's like, nope. And I say, what's the difference? People think you die and go to heaven. I go, no, you're born into heaven. This is a place of creation. And you have a mechanism to create this virtual suit called the body. That's not you. This is a suit. Your spirit, your energy field is a broadcast that controls what's going on down here. So your body is like a television set. And your identity is a broadcast picked up by the antennas called self-receptors. There's a bunch of those. No two people receive the same broadcast. Each of us is on a different station, so to speak. And I go, what's the point of all this? And the answer was, why are we here? And the answer is, we came here to create. We came here to experience. I'll never forget the, the day when I first started to understand this. And I said, oh my God, there is a spirit and it's separate. It's a quantum physics field. And that's where I didn't come from a religious point of view. I came from a physics point of view. There's an energy field shaping me, and it's not shaping you because only my cells are reading this field. Krista, your cells only read your field. That's why we can't exchange cells and organs with each other because they have identities to them. My cells are downloading me. Your cells are downloading you. If I put an organ of mine into your body, then you're going to have two downloads at the same time. It's like the immune system will say, no, get rid of one of those right away. And so what was the point? And the point was this. I remember asking this so vital question when it hit me, and I said, oh my God, I am a spiritual entity in here. And I said, why not just be a spirit? Why have a body? You know, I mean, why spirit, we're the spirit, why have a body? And that's when 50 trillion of my own cells came up with an answer, and I always laugh because I call them Jewish comedian cells, because Jewish comedian, when you ask a, a Jewish person a question, they will respond with another question. And I asked, why have both a spirit and a body? Why not just be a spirit? And the 50 trillion cells asked me a question. And they said, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? <laughs> Why? This physical device takes the chemistry of chocolate and turns it into a vibration. The brain deals with vibration. Eyes see this world, but they turn it into vibration. Ears hear things, that's vibration. Smell, taste, touch, pain, feel. These are all physical devices, mechanisms turning it into vibration, which is what our source is, a vibration, and we send it back to source. So we're sort of here on earth to do what? To create and have experiences. And I say, and is it the experiences that we see in the world today? And I go, no, those are other people's programs that we're all been programmed to follow when you get out of that program. And the example is when you fell in love, the world wasn't the crazy, stupid place. When you fell in love, all you felt was the joy and harmony and the health and the environment and everything was beautiful. And I go, that's why we were here. Get into the program. That's somebody else's reasons. And that's not what we were here, but we're, we become programmed by them. And so the wake-up call was, well, then, if you understand this, enjoy your life. Enjoy every minute of it. Get, enjoy it. Why? Because when you're dead, you lose the machine and <laughs> all that taste that what is love it's an emotional chemical that's translated into a vibrational energy and i go yeah you can be an intelligent person write an essay about love but you can also be a person who experiences love and i said that's a different story mm. i can be you know oh here's an essay about love i said did i ever experience it no but i wrote you a good essay and i go if you didn't experience then you miss was what the physiology of love which is the joy of being on this planet i love my life and since I love my life, guess what? 
all the stuff that used to bother me, all the BS belief system stuff that used to bother me, no longer here. Am I walking heaven on earth? You bet I am. And that's why I can't wait to wake up every day and have another day of creation and joy and feelings and love and be here with Krista and say, man, you know, I want to tell you from this end, that was the whole purpose of being here, to enjoy it, the garden. In on earth, we have a body and spirit, and in heaven, we think we may we just have the spirit. So enjoy yeah, the but body. the spirit has awareness. The spirit is awareness. But can spirit taste chocolate? No. no. Well, we don't. We, we don't know for it. sure, but we don't think so. I guess. <laughs> well, I keep it until finding out. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, Bruce, we could keep talking for a long time. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing your space and time and finding joy in this conversation with me and sharing how to, that there is lots of opportunities for reprogramming no matter what happened in the first seven years. That is why I'm so happy to be here with you because we have an audience that is looking and I hope they find it because I know it's there myself because I never believed in love at all until I was nearly 50. And I've been having honeymoon every day for 28 years, every day. Why? Change the program, man. I I love my life. I hope everybody out there can experience how wonderful life is. Yeah. Thank you so much again for coming on today. BruceLifton.com resources. Thanks so much. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.